1: fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC football, a new era starting. Now signing day is behind us. Really, everything now pointing towards spring football, the 2019 football season. And we want to talk about some of the latest news and notes around the program. Putting a bow on signing day with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com to see all of his content. If you have any questions or comments for us and That's what the majority of the show will be, especially during the offseason. Answering your questions, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. We get a bunch of texts. You can leave some voicemails, too. Uh, We love that. If you uh, happen to go to iTunes and you're subscribing there or whatever your Google Play or wherever you're at uh, subscribing to the podcast, please leave us some Positive feedback. Tell people that you like the show. If you do, hopefully you do. And, uh, you know, a five-star review is always nice. Really helps to grow the show. I think this will be our 12th football season. I don't have to go back and look. We started this back in 2008, so it's been a while. We'll keep it rolling with a lot more shows. And uh, we should be a really fun and interesting offseason heading into spring football. And We want to welcome in the coach. How are you, coach? What's going on?
0: Brian, I am great. And uh twelve years I've been with you. Man, I was thirty five when we started. <laughs> yeah, <Huh? we're- laughs> That's amazing how that time has flown by, you know?
1: It's going by so quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, it is crazy. Like and, and for people who don't know, just a real quick uh, you know, why I've never even listened to podcasts up until a couple of years ago. It was just hard with LA being a professional sports town I would do radio spots like around the country talking USC football but it was a lot harder to get something here like spring football coming up they'd be talking about the Lakers and stuff they wouldn't really be talking about uh USC so I wouldn't get as many you know radio hits and things like that I mean I, we go on somewhat regularly on the local stations but not as much and so we said hey you know why don't we do our own show and we started this podcast and I remember meeting with you coach I think there's some restaurant or something in Pasadena and just kind of chatting about it. And uh, we went from there. So it was a humble beginnings, but it's been, it's been going strong ever since.
0: It's been great. And uh, Ryan, I'll tell you the real Trojan fan, a hardcore Trojan football fan uh, doesn't make any difference. uh, Really. If you're just a football fan, doesn't have to be a Trojan fan enjoys. I think I enjoy talking about football year round, because I think football is, a year around sport. Now there isn't really an off season. So what we try to do is cover everything that's up to the date and what's going on with recruiting and off season programs, summer workouts, spring practice, and all of a sudden it's football season again. And, and, uh, I think it's something that people like because the local stations and the local media, uh, when the season's not on, just forget it. Except for a couple of beat writers, Joey and, uh, and, uh, uh, the guy from the Times, Brady. I mean they'll cover yeah Brady Delk, they'll, they'll cover it, but they have limited space. They can't really write everything you guys do as far as covering it and in our conversations we have every week. And I really think that and, and, and I'll tell you another thing and I'm not trying to put down anybody on any station anywhere because I do radio, but normally they'll call you or somebody like you to talk Trojan football because they know very little about Trojan football and you will fill them up and fill that void that they don't have on their network. And uh, I think it's awesome that you do that. It's great for the website, too. And as I've told you before, I think that part of the deal should be uh, there's a lot of listeners out there that really don't know about USCfootball.com, not that a lot of people don't, but I think a lot of listeners don't that they should we uh, allow you to mention that. Uh, why don't you join my site? and You can find out about something about USC football all the time. So that's just a little suggestion to you from the old man. Okay.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Yeah, I mean, so th- this basically started because of USCfootball.com, but we've realized that podcast has its own is its own audience. You thought it would just be subscribers to the website or people that are on the website all the time, but people that are you know they don't go to the website. I'm I, funny talking to like Bruce Feldman. And Stuart Mandel, who are uh, well-known national uh, college football writers, and I kind of helped them when their podcast was getting started too, and we, you know, you know, shared some ideas and things like that. And they were shocked too that there was people that would listen to their podcast that never read their stuff. Um, So it's just the thing. There's like a whole different audience when you go do a podcast. So if you're a listener and you don't go to the website, check out uscfootball.com. They got a lot of great information there. You can be on it. 24 hours a day and the message boards are the, that's where you want to go. You want to go and uh, mix it up with other people on the message boards. And if you, if you think something's great or something sucks or whatever, you can go to the message boards and, and say it. And, and even now coach, it's worse because back when we started this, there was no NFL in Los Angeles. Now there's two NFL teams. And uh, so it's, it's definitely harder to get uh local coverage of your, and especially when USC struggling, you're just not going to hear about it as much. So, That's kind of why we started it way back when. I don't know why we got into a history lesson, but I guess we did. uh, Before we jump into the show, Southern California Tickets. They've been sponsoring us really since the beginning, a long time. You can give them a call, 1-800-888-7287, or you can go to com. They've been a a great friend of the show, like we said, from the very beginning with Coach Harvey Hyde. So uh, make sure you go check them out if you want to go see Sporting events, but also plays and things like that. Valentine's Day is coming up. You want to get something cool for your your special someone, uh, you can get tickets to something cool around Southern California or wherever you are. Uh, Southern California tickets will help you out with that. Um, Well, Coach, so big news last night. I thought when they tweeted, so signing day was Wednesday. USC's class was ranked 18th and 3rd in the Pac-12, which is the worst we've seen since the Internet era, but we said there was a little caveat they do have a commit, a uh, four-star wide receiver from Orem, Utah, Puka Nakua. If he doesn't sign with USC, and we did not expect him to do that once he didn't sign on signing day, it looked like Oregon, Washington, I think Utah was in the mix. He took a, a late visit to UCLA. If he ends up somewhere else, that's going to actually drop USC's ranking down to number 20, which is kind of insane. Like, He's just never seen something like that since we've been covering the team as bad as, as it's been. But last night he did announce he's going to sign uh with Washington so they uh very strong class for Washington so Oregon had the number 1 class in the in the conference and Washington uh number 2 uh they moved up a little bit Washington's now number 16 in the nation and like I said USC drops to number 20 they were actually back to back I think 18 and 19 there no 17 and 18 Washington moves up a spot USC drops a couple of spots and they are barely above Stanford less than a point um, so like a three-star recruit would have put Stanford above USC. Uh, it's, you know, Pukunakua, I liked him a lot. Saw him in the Polynesian bowl. He did a really good job, uh, down at San Antonio for the army all American bowl. I know USC's. you know, usually does pretty well with wide receivers, but right now it's not, you know, not as deep as you'd like only eight, uh, on the roster. Uh, one of them is Keyshawn Young, who's, you know, really never played. Um, so I, it's, and this is going to be an air raid system. So I don't know any concerns. I, I like Puka Nakua a lot. I've seen you lose Brew McCoy, too. Um, you know, getting a guy like Kyle Ford uh, is great. Oh, he's the other one. So I think it's nine because Kyle Ford, I forgot to, to add him on there. But just maybe not the depth that you would like, especially with, like, Kyle Ford coming off, uh, you know, an ACL. But any thoughts on the Puka Nakua news going to Washington, Coach?
0: Well, that didn't surprise me. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, when he didn't sign or – commit. Uh, he did commit, but he didn't sign on national signing date. Uh, didn't surprise me. He's, he's looking for something else. He wasn't happy. When you're fired up and you want to go to a university, you don't have second thoughts. And uh, He had second thoughts. And uh, I thought it might be Utah. I really did. I thought he might just stay home like Wilmore went up there. I thought he might go up there. But he went to Washington and uh, uh, that's good for him. he go up there and and see what's going to go up against the, uh, you know, the Huskies got a great program, and right now they're winning, so that attracts a lot of players. So he went up there. It doesn't surprise me at all he went there. But as far as the receivers at USC, as you mentioned, I mean, how many do you need? I mean, really, uh, you, all you need is you, if you run the four-receiver set is eight receivers or nine receivers. You get too many more, and then you have a morale problem. And, uh, basically what you got to do is get your four best receivers, get them on the field and play them. Plus, remember you got tight ends too. So you got to count them as a receiver in this offense also. So you got plenty of receivers. What you need to do is find out who they are. So the quarterback and receivers get to know each other and get to know their reads and their their timings. And they can just look at each other and they understand what you're going to do. You start playing too many and start rotating too many. Well, that's where all the timing gets off and everything else. And, you know, I really believe you've got to, in all position, get your best players on the field and you just tell the rest of them, hey, uh, you, w- w- don't be giving me that poor me stuff that I'm not playing. Uh, you come to USC to win championships, and winning is what we're supposed to do here. Uh, where you get your thrill is not how many catches you catch. Or whatever, it's if we win or lose is where you get your thrill in the number of W's we get. So I think basically with the tight ends and eight receivers that's plenty. If you got the right ones, and supposedly they have the right ones, when you look at the ranking of these receivers coming out of, you know, high school and junior college or wherever they're all from, heck, how many do you need? I think you got enough. And that's an excuse when you say I don't have a lot of depth. All you need is four, and then you need two more to fill. And then you got the tight ends, but they got eight and tight ends, so they got plenty of receivers. So I don't have any, uh, I don't have any bad feelings there as far as if they get done what they're supposed to do.
1: No, I, I think that's a really good point. That um, talking about the tight end situation because it's not a, a, a Mike Leach air raid. We're going to talk a little bit more about the system uh, later on in the show, but certainly. They're, they should use the tight ends a little bit more. There's going to be some talent there. I know if you look at Shotgun and uh, Chris Trevino's uh, wrap up from Pro Football Focus, the three tight ends on the roster had the worst grades as far as grading out all season. So they need improvement from that position. But I think you're going to see them be in a lot, you know, putting in situations where they're going to be out in space, uh, trying to make plays. So I, I think the tight end, you know, there's more depth of tight end than you probably need for an air raid. So I think that'll help out a little bit, but he was just someone coach. I liked a lot. Um, just watching him like a great kid. Uh, and I, you know, under different circumstances, he probably ends up at USC. There's just been so much turmoil and everything going on. Uh, I don't know. I mean, not really a surprising outcome, but you know, like you said, I don't think it's something that USC can't overcome. It's just, it's just another hit. So when you look at the, the rankings, the 24-7 sports composite goes back to 2002. That's when, like, the, the rankings were good. I think 2001, they had some really good uh, uh, prospects. I think Sean Cody was in that class and Matt Liner. I'd have to go back and look, but we don't. the, the data's not great from back then. But this is basically – we've never seen a USC class that was ranked like this in the internet era, you know, really since we started covering this stuff. Um, nothing. It's nothing really even close. Like, USC finished 13th once. And that was in 2013 when uh, that was the year that they had all the decommits. But they still only they had tw- there was a sanctioned class, only 12 commits. But they were all four and five star guys. They had four or five star guys. It was ranked 13th because they just didn't have that many bodies. But it was way more, uh, you know, way more talented. I guess you could say than this one. Um, so it's just I think USC fans are having a hard time. Wrapping their arms around this since they've, you know, since they've been a fan and you've got this data on all the players coming in, we've never seen numbers like this for USC. It's always been four and five star guys, and then you get some three stars mixed in. This is 18 three star guys. The most USC's ever had was 11. So this is just a whole different, it's just like a whole different world for USC fans, coach.
0: No, it is. And, you know, it's sort of another thing that USC fans like to brag about you know, and all of everybody, coaches too, like to hang their head on, you know, we had a top five class and we got great players and all this and that, you know, you can have great players, but a lot of these players might've been maxed out already in their ability. Sometimes five stars don't get better. And sometimes five stars, uh, drop down in their ability. Maybe they're not as fast or tough or whatever. Maybe they're older. Maybe they're playing in high school when they're 18 and, other players are 16, and sometimes they're playing in leagues where they dominate because their league is the uh, the division five, and and uh, they don't they really have the competition, so they're just better. So you got to evaluate everything to what really it is, and put it in place. And you know, uh, I don't I don't feel sorry about a, uh, a a 20 or feel bad about the ranking. I'm disappointed. I think they should be able to attract better players. Not that these players aren't good because of what I look at USC as and what it represents. Uh, uh, I got an offer from USC. I'm going to seriously consider this. This is a great opportunity for me with a great tradition, a great school, great everything. And uh, right now that isn't what the vibe is. And that's what you have to change is the vibe of the high school coaches, of the parents, of the players as far as if I go there, and I'm a three star, or four star, or five star, I'm going to become a six star. And if I'm a three star, I'm going to become a four star and maybe a five star. And I think also you've got to implement the redshirt rule that it's not a bad thing. And with them getting a lot of three star players, these three star players have got to understand there's a big possibility they're going to redshirt. And USC coaches have to understand. We've got to redshirt some of these players so they become older and better and mature so that they can play as a five-star, but they've got an extra year on them as far as age and growth and coaching and all the other things that surround it. So some of those three-stars can turn into great players, but players have to understand that a redshirt year or a gray shirt year or whatever it takes isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. You grow up during this period of time. You're more mature, and everyone goes now thinking they're going to come out and go straight to the NFL, and that's not what it's all about. It's about an education. It's about winning. What's the best way to win? What's the best way to graduate? And I think this is what they have to start talking about in their program Not play kids five plays or play kids six plays. They do now have a new rule as far as being able to play in four games, which is great. But have a plan how they play in four games. Have a plan how these players get better. And if you are ahead, and believe me, uh, today in college football, anyone can come back and beat you. Don't play someone just to play someone. Win football games first of all. Get your best players on the field. Don't worry about feelings. Make them understand the W makes everybody happy. Yeah. So I, I think that's the point that what needs to be driven in to the USC football program.
1: Coach, one of the other subjects before we jump into questions. Uh, USC still looking. For a university president, Um, the search was supposed to take four to six months. They hired a search firm. It's been over seven, I believe, now. And we put up a story on Sunday. It's called The All-Important Search for USC's Next University President. So you can check that out on uscfootball.com. It's free. You don't have to be a subscriber or anything. But it talks a little bit about some of the dysfunction that's going around USC um, with the board of directors and things like that couple of the candidates, uh, the the most interesting one is Morton Shapiro from Northwestern, uh, also the Northeastern uh, uh, president, Joseph, I think it's Aoun, I, I don't it's A-O-U-N, I'm not even sure how you pronounce his name, um, but those are the only two names we really have heard and associated with that, but I wanted to check with you, I mean, obviously there's some weird stuff going on at USC as always, but how important, I mean, is this to the athletic department coming out and trying to find uh, the next university president?
0: Well, I think it's important for the entire school. First of all, please don't go and get someone that hadn't played division one football or hasn't been a president at a, a major university with academic standards, as well as great athletic background. Because it all goes together. The pride of the university, not just in athletics, but the band and every other pi- type of Uh, fraternity functions, everything that this guy can be. At USC, I'm talking about a five-star, just like I am a football player. I'm talking about somebody that you have the confidence that can come in, get out of his way, and let him run the university and don't make a political deal out of this. Decide on who the guy's going to be and give him the reins, and if he needs to make changes in his administrative staff, normally they do that in football, Allow him to do that. Allow him to bring his team. Allow him to bring the people that he's worked with that knows, that believes in his philosophy, and can get it done. Just don't hire a president. Hire a superstar, a rock star, a guy that when he says, you know he's right. And with uh, a guy, and I'm not saying Shapiro is the guy or anything. He's been at an academic school. I believe he's been at USC before. The athlete. uh Programs at Northwestern have really improved, and I'm not endorsing him. I'm just saying I know a little bit about him. Well, you need that type of of skilled leader to come in and then get out of his way and then uh, let him evaluate what he thinks is good and bad. You can tell him what your thoughts are, but don't tell him what decisions to make. Let him decide what needs to be done, who should be running this or that, and get it done and go with it. Because there's too many people trying to make the calls, I think, right now. And when people start arguing among the trustees and this and that, some of the things I've heard, that's not good for the university. Uh, let, let somebody come in and be the, the superstar, rock star that can get it done and support athletics. And obviously it should be someone that thinks athletics is important. And that would be definitely a question I would ask if I was uh, on the interviewing staff what would your what is your picture of uh, the role of athletics in our university here at usc and i'd be really interested in to hear just what that person's thoughts are because it's big at usc the bragging rights the renovated stadium the uh, how you finish uh, the tailgating all of the things that surround usc uh, and the university uh, and the song girls and everything else is all part of the university and the tradition and the mascot and all of the above. I would ask him, who is our mascot? And I'd want to know if he knew who that was. <laughs> I'd want to know just how prepared this person was. Okay. Because if you, he can't tell you who the mascot is or so and I'd sort of question his ability. I don't know if we need him here.
1: Ah, that's interesting. I like, you could be in there. You could be in on the uh, interview process. Um, but yeah, check out that check out the uh, story. There's a lot of details on that. If you don't follow it much, I haven't really followed it much either. So I'm glad you know we got a we got a story up there. So it's uh, it was informative for me too. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, all right, well let's jump into questions, Coach. I'll play this voicemail for you first.
2: Got to make this quick, Ryan, Coach. Uh, I'm just amazed. Uh, it's Bob in LA, and what I can't understand for the life of me on we have an athletic director at USC who's opening up a 300 million dollar renovation coliseum with a head coach who's supposedly managing game day situations that so was plucked away from Arkansas State now have an offensive coordinator who was plucked away from North Texas State we have a athletic director who's coached by John McKay Chuck Knoll what is not what people are people not seeing in this Baruch McCoy, another disaster. Can somebody please explain where the common sense is in all of this? What bothers me the most, and I I can't fathom for the life of me, is the arrogance of Lin Swan and his statement acknowledging the deficiencies in staff discipline schemes, and this is what he's offering. You know, after 42 years of following USC, I don't understand it. Ryan, coach, is is psychotherapy an answer? Uh, Or the other answer is just leave your allegiance at the door and wait for Helen Swan to be fired. Thank you.
0: Well, uh, there's a lot of questions there. Uh, uh, First of all, let's start with Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan. As far as, you know, he is the athletic director and everybody ever always wants to know what's happening with the athletic department and they look at what's happening with the teams in the athletic department and the success of the teams in the athletic department, the coaches, uh, and all of the above. And it all falls under him and uh, he's responsible for all of that. And I think that he needs to, uh, I think he feels that he's doing a good job. And I think all of us second-guess, sometimes everybody. And, uh, you know, I second-guess because I've had, the, I've had the opportunity of working for athletic directors. I've had the chance of saying, I think he's a good athletic director or a bad athletic director. I've had the chance of saying that this athletic director, I'd go back and, and work for tomorrow if he became an athletic director because his door was always open to me. And when when I went in, he would say, we'll find a way, coach. If you think it's the way that we get W's, then let's find a way to do it. Now, I'm not quite sure what Lynn Swan's philosophy is. All I know that he was back at the Super Bowl when they had their final recruiting weekend. And when you have a final recruiting weekend, it's normally uh, a process, at least it was with me, that I wanted all my recruits to meet the athletic director as far as have him meet, talk to him, tell him the goal of the athletic department. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Ryan, if he wasn't at the Super Bowl, please correct me because I don't want to pass on any information but from the pictures I saw and the things I saw, he was at the Super Bowl. Then I understand he came back and went to Pebbly Beach for the Pro-Am Golf Tournament, was up there uh, during a a period of time that really a lot is supposed to be happening in the athletic department as far now with the National Letter of Intent, coaches, all the things that are happening and I'm not quite sure if uh, you have access to your athletic director the way you should. Now, there are always athletic directors uh, that assign assignments to all the associate athletic directors as far as Steve Lopes. uh, You report to Steve Lopes if you're this sport or that sport or whatever it might be, which works. But the athletic director's face in the programs, when he walks into your office or or walks into the weight room or walks into the – uh, uh, academic services department and, and pats a guy on the back and says, you're doing a great job or walks into the weight room. And I'm not saying he's not doing this. I'm just giving you my opinion that, that that's important, that it comes from the top and your coaches like working for him and the players like playing for him. And I think, uh, that's part of being a leader. Not standing back on the hill with binoculars watching your troops fight, okay? And then coming up and giving an opinion. Now, he's, I don't evaluate Lin Swan. I'm not the president or trustees, but I think a presence and being a part of walking by you at practice and say, how you doing, coach? How are you doing, Harv? I've sat next to him many times and, uh, and spoken at things with him. I think you have to have an open personality and a handshake that has blisters on it. But you're shaking people's hands and you care who they are and you respect them no matter what they give to the program or to the university, whether it's a $10 gift or a $1 million gift or a player that's a first-string player or a player that's a last-string player. You make everybody feel important, including all the boosters and friends, media and everything in the package. Now, have I? Seen that, I'm not sure. But, uh, Ryan, you uh, might want to comment on this, or maybe it's better off that you don't. (laughs) But uh, I just give my friends out there my feeling. Uh, I don't see him work a crowd. And I think an athletic director should work a crowd and have a presence.
1: Yeah, I think um, I've been very critical of Pat Hayden over the years and saying he was like the worst athletic director as far as major decisions if you basically did the opposite of every big decision that Hayden made, USC would be in a better spot, but that was something he was good at. I mean, he, you know, as a person, I like Pat Hayden. Uh, you know, I did the big brothers, big sisters program. I remember bringing my little brother to one of the football games. So I I didn't work one game. I, so I could bring him to a game. I think it was a Washington game or something. And, you know, ran into Pat Hayden and uh, JK McKay. And I, I I love JK. And they were like, you know, they, they, they were shaking his hand, saying, you know, asking him questions, like super nice guys. Like that's not something you see from Lynn Swan. Um, you know, I think Mike Garrett was a better athletic director, but he, you know, he was a little prickly. I think sometimes he, he wasn't the best at the public speaking stuff. So I, I think everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. But it's like Lynn Swan is in uh, in a bunker somewhere, or you know, all out on the town during important things, like around signing day to be, you know, Super Bowl Pebble Beach. Uh, there was another, I figured there's some other trip he took to, um, it's, it's just like, it, is this really a priority for you? I, I'm not sure. It, it seems like he's still living his old life, but this there's a lot of weird stuff going, a lot of not, you know, a lot of, uh, things that aren't very positive going around this athletic department. Uh, you would want, you'd think there'd be more of like a nose to the grindstone kind of thing and, and get this right. But, uh, we don't see that now, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes because we don't ever hear from him. But the perception isn't good, in my opinion.
0: Well, you know, it's it's, uh, it's what you evaluate people on and what your opinion is of what you see, and that's all I can do. As far as the person, he's never done anything wrong to me. Nothing, ever. When I sat next to him, we talked some, but that was about it. I am seeing am an event that he spoke at, which he was good at. He's a very good speaker. He did television. He knows what it's about. But I think it's very important to show First of all, your loyalty is to your university and to your job, 100%. I mean, you're in there at 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning when your coaches get in, and you hang around and talk to them and encourage them before you go home because they all work for you, and that way you've given them all the support in the world. And when, if you have to let a coach go, his statement is, he gave me everything I needed to win. It's my fault. I couldn't get it done and that's the way I would want to be if I was an athletic
2: director yeah
1: all right let's we want to talk about the offensive coordinator a little bit so Scott Grossman real quick said Ryan is there going to be a press conference introducing Graham Harrell as offensive coordinator Uh, I don't think so there hasn't there there wasn't one for uh uh you know for the previous um (laughs) athletic director who only stuck around for uh for 35 days Cliff Kingsbury Um, they had an opportunity to maybe bring him out because they had a press conference post signing day. Uh, they chose not to. So this is just kind of what we've seen from USC. They haven't, uh, officially introduced him. Um, you know, besides putting out stuff on social media or a couple of videos or something, whatever they did. So I don't think they're going to do anything there. Uh, Stevie wrote in coach with two questions. First, did Graham Harrell have full control over North Texas, offensive play calling. Um, how much of the offensive offensive success was on him? Uh, so I did some research on this. So Seth Latrell gave basically gave him the keys for the last couple of years. Um, so I, I I feel like that's a a pretty good indication that he was the guy running the offense. But I don't know if you've heard anything different, Coach.
0: Well, let me put it to you this way: You got to all hope. Everyone's got to hope that uh, Graham is a great offensive coordinator. Okay. But that's it. Don't, let's don't over-exaggerate everything. First of all, uh, does he need a press conference? I don't think so. I think they learned from their first mistake. They brought in Cliff Kingsbury, and they made him the second coming. Do you know what? <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that? All you did was raise his stock to get another job somewhere else. I mean, he's just an assistant coach with a responsibility. He hadn't won a, won a game at USC, and he got fired at Texas Tech. Now, I think he's a great coach, and I, obviously he has a unique type of offense, but he hadn't won a game at USC, he hadn't recruited a player at USC. And, hell, they got him press conference. Not, I mean, they got pictures of him everywhere. He's on Dan Patrick. He's doing this. He's doing that. Hell, you might as well hire him as the head football coach. put <laughs> Poor Clay Heldon, I didn't even know where he was. So I think they they mismanaged that. So they over corrected their mistake. And this is something they they tend to do. Yeah. Is they now are, are who? Uh well he's busy or he's this or that. Hey, he's just an ordinary guy. He's a football coach. He's a person. Yeah, he won at North Texas, but now it's a different level of football. He didn't win on his own. You don't think he had better players than everybody else? You don't out-coach people today. Everybody keeps thinking you're out-coaching people today. I'm a genius. I'm splitting the atom bomb. I mean, I'm the guy. You don't do that without the nuclear, whatever that substance is that you do to blow the bomb up. And that's the players. So he had good players. Now he's going to have good players at USC. Now does he take advantage and put them in a position where they can explode, where they can be who they're supposed to be. Well, that's what I want to see in the spring. Now I want to see if he utilizes the tight end. I don't know how much he utilizes the tight end at North Texas. I mean, people might tell me, "Oh, he utilizes the tight end." Well, well, let me see you utilize him. I used to hear that every day in the last offensive coordinator. Every spring, <laughs> we're going to use the tight end more. We're going to run the football more. Uh, did we see that? No. No. But they say. Oh, he rushes the football for 2,000 yards. Okay. How many of those yards came from the running back, and how many came from the quarterback? Is that going to fit the personnel at USC? I don't know. I know Daniels can't run. Sears can run pretty good. Fink can run pretty good. Uh, uh, Is he the type? uh, I know Young coming in could, could probably run a year from now that type of offense. So let's see what happens first. Let's see. When you come into a situation, if you're a good offensive coordinator, you say, Let me evaluate the talent we have here and put that, implement that into what I do offensively and see who can do what I want to do. And if they can't do what I want to do, then I got to change because I'm not playing. They are. So you've got to make that type of adjustment. So we'll see, and I'll evaluate him on what type of adjustments he does. To balance out the personnel that he's going to be coaching with the offense he runs. Yeah. So I'm going to wait and see what happens.
1: And Stevie also wanted to know um, how much do you guys re- actually think Graham Harrell is a Mike Leach prodigy with only two years as a wide receivers coach under his offense. How much time did he actually give Harrell to soak up the air raid concepts? And Stevie, I think the most important part is he played for Mike Leach like that. He was like Cliff Kingsbury. He's the most one of the most prolific passers in NCAA history. I think he has the most touchdown pass. I forget, there's a bunch of NCAA records he has. So he played for him, then coached under him, was given this opportunity at North Texas, and has done well. Um so yeah, so I I, I I've heard a couple of people mention that coach, but really he played for him for all those years. So I think he understands what Mike Leach wants just from you know from being a player and then actually being on his staff.
0: No, I'll tell you, when you when you coach and you're a quarterback, really a quarterback needs to know it all in the reads and so on. But remember a quarterback Uh, doesn't see the whole pictures all the time, but he does understand it. And uh, 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 let me say, let me put it to you this way. Uh, Great players that become coaches have a little bit of an advantage than someone who hasn't played football. But that doesn't mean he's going to be a successful head coach or an offensive coordinator because of what type of athlete he was or you are. You take some of the best coaches out there coaching in college football and in the NFL, hardly even played football or never started in football. So that isn't something to really always to determine that someone's going to be successful. You got to be able to implement not what you were, who you are, but now what you're coaching and what you need to do. Playing and coaching for a great coach, I think, is really great. But how many of Belichick's assistants that have gone on have been successful? Not necessarily, but they're not Belichick. Or how many other great coaches from other staffs of great coaches have gone on and become successful? But they're not Saban. Some of them, uh, Kirby Smart, absolutely. But he had the talent from being a defensive coordinator to be a head coach and go be his own head football coach at Georgia. And, and obviously he's doing very well, but being a great player doesn't necessarily make you a great coach and vice versa. So as I said earlier, when I answered the last question, I'm waiting to see what happens in spring practice. I'm waiting to see what happens because I don't always just buy in on this Mike Leach deal. I think Mike Leach is a great coach and does what that Washington state needs. Because Washington State has a different type of player. Washington State needs a different type of offense, a different identity than I believe USC needs. I think USC can attract a different type of player and can do just about what it wants. Once it it decides what their identity is going to be. I don't want to see USC be like everybody else. I like to see USC be like someone wants to be. And I say that every week when we do this.
1: All right. we uh, we've got a couple more questions. Uh, this one's a text we got uh, along the same lines of the Graham Harrell stuff. During JT Daniels' senior year at Modern Day, he'd take off from the pocket when needed. Uh, so we saw him more of a runner as a senior at Modern Day or a, a junior at Modern Day. It wasn't his senior year, it was his junior year. But um, do you think with Graham Harrell's offense, we'll see more of that in JT's game?
0: Well, you're going to have to, uh, I think, unless he changes a lot what he's going to do. And he did run at modern day. And I saw him, and he didn't look bad running at modern day. But he wasn't running against guys that have the same speed and size or faster than what he was playing against in high school. Remember, modern day had better players than everybody else. So he was able to execute a little bit differently and, and have a lot of success, which he did. And that's absolutely fantastic. But now he plays against a different speed of type of defensive player. And when you take off, these guys come after you. So you now slide a lot more than what you used to. Some quarterbacks, and if you watch the offense that uh, North Texas ran and others, you don't see the quarterbacks sliding too much when they run power off tackle. Uh, when you watch Texas play, their quarterback runs power off tackle every time they get near the goal line. Now, you'll see that type of player. No. No. So he might have to make a change and put a running back in or something and run power off tackle uh, if that's what he wants to do or have a different type of goal line offense where you go under center with JT Daniels, and I'm just using his name. We could say Fink or Sears when you, when you have a different short yardage defense, and I'd like to see him do that because you can't just always do what you did. you got to make changes when your quarterback can't do what you did to be able to still accomplish what you need to accomplish,
1: Coach, we got a couple more. We're gonna let you go. I know it's been a, it's been a weird show coming off this post signing day stuff. We're gonna try to get back into a rhythm. We got a couple more to go. We got a text first. Uh, it said first off, love the show. Thanks for that. This is from Casey. Makes my hour and a half drive to work every day easier. But I was just wondering. If any of you guys know the extent of Kyle Ford's injury, is it better or worse than what everyone talks about? Uh, and he said, second, do you guys post a schedule for your upcoming podcast? Thanks from Casey, lifelong Trojans fan. Um, Casey, real quick, the, the podcast we usually do you know, with Coach Harvey Hyde, uh, like a, a Sunday or a Monday, and then we'll do Dan Weber on a Tuesday, and then we might do other shows during the week. So that's kind of like the basic schedule. And uh, we got we got a little bit of an update, I guess, from Clay Helton on Kyle Ford's injury. I mean, they'll just—it's kind of this wait and see thing. I think it was late September or early October when he had the ACL surgery. Um, and you know, it just depends. But those are things you, a lot of players can come back uh, in nine months from. It just depends on the player. Uh, you know, I think there's potential to see him uh, in fall camp, um, but we'll—you know—I I don't know if they really need him at this point. So it might be one of those things where they're just. You know, precautionary, and he ends up red-shirting, even though he's a five-star. But we'll see. But I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Coach?
0: No, I agree with you 100%, Ryan. Uh, I wouldn't jeopardize his career until he's ready to play. And uh, even if he had the red shirt, I'm serious. The kid wouldn't understand. All we do is care about you. And we don't want you on the field until you're ready to be on the field and you feel confident about your leg. But you're not the same player unless you feel confident about your leg. You're not you got to get back your strength. you got to get back your speed. And the number one thing, your confidence, where well, you're not afraid to get hit. So until you have that confidence and you don't favor that knee, then you shouldn't be on the field. And uh, obviously, we all want to reach, uh, wish him a, a speedy recovery, which is a hell of a player. Yeah. But not at the je- jeopardy of losing him, maybe, like a couple of players that have been at USC. I mean,. Not that the medical staff have pushed them back, but some of those kids have not come back. Uh, and when they did come back, they got hurt again. And unfortunately, they never have really got on the field much. And uh, you can't take a chance on that. You've got to be able to make a kid feel as though he's confident, he wants to get hit, he wants to play. Yeah.
1: We got one last one. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great player, but I think you're going to lose some Big time receivers after 2019, probably good to have him coming in fresh uh, 2020. But we'll see. We'll see how he develops and how he uh, recovers. Last text: Have you been watching the new AAF or Alliance of American Football League? Uh, Damian Mama and Demetrius Wright were playing for the San Diego Fleet. So I watched some of that first game. It was uh, San Diego Fleet, I believe, was on the road against San Antonio Ch- Challengers. I don't forget it's San Antonio something. And uh, it was kind of interesting. You know, there's no kickoffs. You just get the ball at the 25. Um, you, they still have punts. No no PATs. So you have to go for two. Uh, you can attempt a onside kick, but it's basically you get a fourth and 12. So you're not kicking the ball. Um, so they took a lot of the kicking out of the game. Damian Mama, I think someone got hurt. And Damian Mama moved over to center. Uh, it seemed like he did all right. It seemed, I wasn't paying a ton of attention. I didn't really see Demetrius Wright do much, but I wasn't paying super close attention. Uh, there was a lot of sacks in the game, and you're not allowed to blitz more than five people, so maybe there's offensive line deficiencies, or they know that. Um, but you can't blitz that much, but there was a ton of sacks. Mike Bercovici was playing quarterback for a while, if you remember him, Arizona State. Uh Nelson Spruce, who was a stud at Colorado. So there's like a lot of familiar college names that were in it. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I don't know what you thought, Coach.
0: Well, I I watched a portion of that game on Saturday. I didn't watch the Sunday game. Uh, uh, It was interesting. And the hash marks look like they're narrower. And they have some marks outside. I don't know what those other hash marks are for. Uh, The game really moves along quickly. There aren't any commercial breaks. They just show the commercial on the side of the screen. Uh, The 30-second clock, I think, rather than a 40-second clock. uh, It really moves along quickly. Uh, More or less reminds me a little bit of uh, NFL Europe. It's sort of a minor league for the NFL, and obviously the NFL must be supporting it because it's on the NFL network, too, and uh, a lot of players have been on the uh, rosters of NFL teams and it's a way of uh, getting better but uh, I don't know how much uh, a player can play as far as with an NFL season and then play I think it's an eight or ten games uh, schedule here in the AF uh, league I know that's a little bit more violent on the quarterback than what it might be in the NFL people were talking about that today as far as uh, a little bit more action on the quarterback as far as uh, being able to hit him on a pass rush and uh, low scoring games because uh, they've had a short time to practice defense is always ahead of the offense so uh, the defense is far ahead of the offense so the games are low scoring and uh uh you know i i don't know i i just didn't uh, get into it we had other activities to do this weekend so i watched them some saturday night and maybe i'll watch some more but uh, i have to wait and see i can't form an opinion yet
1: yeah, uh, but it's it's kind of cool. It's football, like hey, more football. It's fine with me, uh, and it's cool to see some of the you know former guys from that you covered at USC getting another chance somewhere. Um, there's like three leagues starting, so I don't know. We'll see what uh, we'll, we'll see how this transcribes, but it uh, transpires. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm for it. And it's cool. Like oh, there's Demi and Mama playing center. <laughs> didn't, see, didn't see that before. Um all right, Coach. Well I think we're we'll gonna wrap it up. Uh great stuff. We're looking forward to talking to you again soon. But thanks for uh coming on and hope you have a great rest of the week, Coach.
0: Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it very much. And for all of you out there, thank you for joining us. And again, whatever we talk about is just our opinion. And of course you've got yours. And uh without you we don't have a show. So please always remember if you have a question. Don't hesitate getting it to us. And we'll try to answer it.
1: Yeah. Send it in. We love to hear from you guys and we'll keep answering them all off season, heading into spring ball. And then of course the 2019 season. All right. That's coach. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the peristyle podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC tickets is your concert, sports and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.